With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today our guest is A's team president Dave Cavill. Dave will talk to us a little bit about the difficulties of getting going during the pandemic and looking ahead to 2021 and the challenges presented with not knowing how many tickets the team will be able to sell next year, plus the team on the field and a stadium update. Coming up next on A's Plus. Dave, uh, this is the first time we've had you on the Ace Plus podcast this year. Um, so it's really a shame we haven't had you on much, much earlier, especially in such an unusual year. What has this been like for you as the team's top business executive trying to prepare for such an unusual season, trying to deal with all the requirements of the MLB safety protocols and, and so many other uncertainties? Well, it's been a season like no other, Susan. And I want, first of all, appreciate you having me on to discuss that and other topics related to the A's. Uh, I definitely always listen to your uh, podcasts and things like that. They're usually really, really great. Um, so, yeah, it's just been really unusual. And no amount of planning could you prepare you for a season like this in terms of what it means um, on the field, off the field, COVID, all the different things that have come at us. And We've just tried to be really nimble and rely on the fact that we have an excellent organization of people uh, here on the baseball side and the business side, and their business acumen and kind of resiliency has been critical to getting through a really tough year. Yeah, you had some really uh, unusual things to have to deal with, too, coming into the, the sort of the restart of the season in July, in particular, um, with just getting into the building. What, what was that all like? Because I know you, you had to work pretty closely with the Alameda County Health Board. Yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning, Susan, if we could even use the Open Alameda Coliseum. Um, the county had a very rigorous protocol in terms of, you know, allowing businesses to operate. And, you know, we spent a great deal of time presenting to uh, Erica Pan at the time, who was the interim public health director for Alameda County, our plans, our testing, the limited number of people, the different tiers, how we would, you know, provide additional testing in the community, all these things that, you know, at times looked a little touch and go if we were going to get the ability to do that. And we even looked at the possibility of, of having operations in Arizona at one point, which didn't have to happen. You know, obviously, we're playing here at the Coliseum. But it was a difficult process and one that took, you know, well over a month and uh, had a lot of ups and downs. But in the end, we you know we ag- agreed to a protocol with them. They endorsed everything that we were doing under the MLB uh, guidelines. And, and uh, we were able to get the, the team here, which was great. There obviously were some tough business decisions to make, too, during during the whole shutdown time. Um, your team, along with many others, wound up having to furlough some people, including a lot of people in, in business operations, which is, is your side of the of the team. H- how difficult was all of that? I'm, I'm sure it kind of goes without saying, really. 
Well, we just have such great people here at the A's on both sides of the business. And I think, you know, anytime you have to make a really hard decision like that, it's challenging. Um, but I think we were informed by the fact that it, it was just a completely unprecedented situation. Um, and we had to do, you know, what we had to do to ensure that the organization could continue to operate and thrive in, in a successful fashion. And, you know, that we were so affected, you know, not having fans, you know, and the ancillary revenues is almost 50% of our total revenue. And so I think sometimes people don't appreciate how much businesses like sports or entertainment or nightclubs or whatever it might be have been affected by this global pandemic. And it was a challenging situation, but one we managed to get through and, you know, hopefully we can, you know, see light at the end of the tunnel into 21 and beyond where we can get beyond the pandemic and reopen this place to our fans, which is what we we really, really enjoy seeing. Yeah, that's one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was what you've been doing in the interim in the stadium. I know you you always like to get creative. You like to do fun stuff. Uh, what do you think of what the approaches you guys have taken without fans in the stadium, particularly during games? Well, we're just trying to keep it fun. You know, that's why we have the cutouts. And not only do we have the cutouts of our fans, but we obviously have like the pet zone and we have the foul ball area, which we kind of, uh, you know, brought to fruition in, in a really fun way where obviously if you're quote unquote uh, cut out catches uh, a foul ball, we send it to your house, which is cool. And then we have the really nice way we partnered with the Piscotti family and created a fundraiser for ALS and, and beating that terrible disease kind of on the, the first base side. So we've tried to, you know, mix it up and have a lot of different things here. We obviously brought in Tom Hanks with his own cut out and, his voiceover that you can hear at the Coliseum when you're here, maybe even when you're home selling peanuts and, and popcorn and ice cold beer. So we just tried to be really, um, you know, fun and, and kind of light about the way we've handled it because it is kind of a heavy year. And I think things like that distract people and, and focus on kind of the fun of baseball, which is, is what the game is all about. Yeah, that, that was a particularly uh, creative and, and kind of interesting thing that Tom Hanks, how did the Tom Hanks thing, Tom Hanks thing come together? I, I think people do know he was a vendor at the Coliseum for A's games I, when he was 19. It was his first job, like back in the 70s, you know, he's watching Vida Blue and Reggie and all the incredible teams in, in the early 70s. And so I think he was 17 or 18 years old and he was just a hawker here at, at the Coliseum. And so, you know, I, I've kind of known him for some time and you know, we were trading some texts about, you know, the season. And I said, hey, it'd be great if, you know, we could do a cutout. And he goes, oh, we'll do you one better. Well, actually, I put my voice out there, which everybody knows so well, because he's such a great actor. And we can make that part of the experience. And got a bunch of publicity about that. That was a super fun thing to do. And he sent over that picture from Skyline High School of his uh, um, graduation. That's how we made the actual cutout. And that was just kind of a fun way to uh, – personalize the Coliseum uh, in a cool way. I, I, I've seen you at some of the games, uh, of course. I, what do you think of the atmosphere without fans? Of course, and as, as you said, I, everybody feels strongly. I, even the, the players have said, like, we never realized how much we miss the fans and how important they are, and everybody wants them back. But wh what have your impressions have been uh, of watching a game in, in essentially an empty stadium? Yeah, I mean, I'm at the game right now when we're doing the interview. I mean, it's 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 kind of surreal. Uh, it's a weird feeling. I mean, I'm glad that Amelia and her team on the production side have done a great job of kind of piping in the, the crowd sound and having the new drum tracks that were laid down. 
uh, by our bleacher fans. And so, like, we've done a lot to try to make it as much um, like a normal game on TV, at least, as possible. But when you're here, you kind of see behind it. It's like a soundstage in, in filming a movie. And uh, it's just kind of, like, amazing that we would ever be in this situation. So um, I think we're doing the best with what we have. And, you know, a lot of other teams are doing that, too. But we really are counting down the days that we can bring the fans back and bring that energy and excitement and, and joy uh, to our community. Yeah, I'm glad you mean, mentioned Amelia, Amelia Schimmel, who is uh, one of your execs, but she's also doing the public address announcing with Dick Callahan out for health reasons, and I think she's been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody knew she had this talent, kind of untapped, unrealized talent. Well, she's a rock star, and she's so creative, and she came over from MLB Network. We were just totally honored to have her in the organization, and she's done a great job, and you know, that's a difficult job with COVID because everyone's like in different rooms and we have to organize ourselves differently in the production studio. And it's just, it's been hard, but they, they've done an incredible job. And I mean, earlier this year, I think the first uh, homestand, I got a bunch of texts from the league office and they're all like, your guys sound and everything you're doing is the best in the whole league. And that was a credit to her and her team. And uh, that was really a proud moment for us. We'll be back with more with Dave Cavill in just a moment. For our complete A's coverage at SF Chronicle, go to sfchronicle.com. And if you'd like to subscribe, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One of your main focuses is on a new stadium and at Howard Terminal. I know you are still very much focused on that spot. Um, like projects, I think probably worldwide, the, the pandemic has slowed things down, slowed planning permissions, uh, all sorts of things like that. Where are things right now? Well, the project itself, you know, it kind of cuts two ways. You know, one way is that it, it does delay some of the approvals because we can't have public meetings to get the environmental impact reports certified and things of that nature. But it also, I think, has made the city realize how important this project is. You know, 6,000 permanent jobs, 3,000 construction jobs, $7 billion in economic impact. You know, the city is sitting at a huge budget deficit, almost 60 million bucks. And so all those things together, I think, um, in some ways can be positives in terms of like accelerating the timeline, you know, post-approval and getting the necessary building permits and ensuring that we can actually get the stadium out of the ground at the waterfront, which is something I know our fans and all of us associated with the club uh, have been just working on for so long. So, so I think there's pros and cons to it. I think really the next big step is the EIR coming out sometime in the fourth quarter, uh, which is a big step. That's, you know, one of those thousand page documents. Um, and then next year, probably in the summer, the city approving that and that is the approval we're seeking we already have the port vote that occurred we already have the state votes and then that will actually create a project that's solidified and can move forward and then we can start talking about when we can break ground and open so 
that's not that far away. It's like it kind of seems like a long way away, but before you know it, it'll be on us, and hopefully we'll be down at Franco Gallo Plaza at City Hall uh, getting another unanimous vote for the project. Now, there has been a little pushback, of course, which you expected. Um, there are a few opposition groups. Um, the Sierra Club uh, wrote a letter that I, I know that you were um, – you had some, took some issues with about potential environmental impact and uh, the possibilities of uh, job fewer jobs at the port. What's your response to some of the, you know, the naysayers that you hear and some of the opposition groups? Well, I mean, I think it just shows that we're getting closer to, to pulling this thing off. You know, I think, you know, the notion that our project would negatively impact the port is just a complete fallacy. Um, you know, it's 2% of the port land. It's basically a parking lot that hasn't been used in nine years. And, you know, the port needs to find ways to monetize that and to expand the commercial sector of Jack London Square. So, you know, really ensuring that the port operation is not affected, that the jobs down there are not affected. That's one of the North Stars of the project. And we, we feel very confident we have a plan to do that. Um, beyond that, with some of the environmental groups, you know, our project is so positive for the environment, whether it's air quality, whether it's environmental sustainability, lead gold standards to all the building, greenhouse gas neutrality. Like there hasn't been a project of this scale uh, with this, you know, strong environmental bona fides maybe ever in the Bay Area. So I think that was something we just really wanted to push back on because that's that's another one of the big attributes of why this is good for Oakland and the Bay Area. Um, not to mention how we're going to improve the site for sea level rise. So there's just a lot of positives that we want to continue to beat the drum and get the word out and um, make sure people realize you know, what this can mean for baseball fans and even for non-baseball fans that this is a really positive project. Where do things stand with your purchase of the city's half of the Coliseum site? Uh, you already have an agreement in place with the county for their half of the Coliseum, but where are things on the other half? That's actually moving forward pretty quickly. You know, We're working hand-in-hand -hand with the city on that. Um, they authorized uh, their chief negotiator to work with us on that and hopefully get that solidified by the end of the year. So, um, you know, we, then we would completely own our own home um, where we currently play and the arena and everything here. And so, you know, that's an important um, step for us as well. That's our, our second project here in East Oakland to ensure that we have a plan for its success, uh, blessed by the community. And we're excited that we're making progress there too. So there's, you know, obviously, people want to see things go as fast as possible. But when we look at the types of things that we're doing, land acquisition, agreements with the port, getting state approvals, you know, we're just slowly working through all the different um, processes and approvals uh, so we can get everything done. Now, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago for a story that I wrote with Henry Shulman about what next year might look like. Nobody knows, of course, really. We don't we don't know when there will be a vaccine or, you know, treatments that are much more effective and uh, what the course of the virus will be. But how difficult is that? You do have to plan for next year at some point, and you don't know if you'll be able to sell tickets at all or how many or what capacity of the building. Uh, how do you look at things for 2021 when you, when you do look at planning? It's a lot of scenarios. So, I mean, we have like, you know, eight or 10 different scenarios we're planning for everything from kind of another season like this to just a normal season and many things in between. And we've been working with the league to get guidance on that. And they've given us a lot of feedback and just understanding how we would operate, what we would do, how we'd go to market with season tickets and, and fan related items. 
in each one of those scenarios is its own business plan. So it's like having eight or nine business plans, um, you know, for next year. And so hopefully we'll continue to get additional information and, you know, kind of whittle down the universe of options. But right now it's pretty wide open, Susan, and we're just going to have to continue to be flexible and nimble on how we approach that and, and think about 2021. What are you hearing from your fans about, you know, what they would like to see for, from, for next year to year? Are you, I know you, you have your office hours still and uh, virtual office hours now. Yeah, course. yeah, I know I do. I, yeah, I actually, I had two today actually. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I think we're hearing like from some fans, like, Hey, just, you know, health and safety. That's probably the number one thing. Like make sure whatever you do, you do it in a way that makes sense. Um, and so that's probably the number one thing we've heard. And then I think a lot of fans also, um, they just really want to get back here. And so it's just balancing those different needs and perspectives to ensure that like, hey, it's going to work out in a way that makes sense long term for the organization. So that, that's kind of what we're focused on. And, you know, I try to keep my pulse or my finger on the pulse of all those fans and what they're thinking. And many are watching on TV because our TV ratings are way up. So it's really nice to see that. Um, and the interest in the club right now. Yeah, well, that's that's not a surprise, really, with what your club's been doing. Um, what advantage might you have in a limited capacity sort of scenario for next year, considering you do actually have really the largest building in baseball if you utilized Mount Davis? Yeah, I mean, if you think about the Coliseum, it was kind of built for socially distancing. So if we have a scenario where it's 50% or 30% of the fans, I actually think, it could provide advantageous for some of those things. I think it's important to remember too, like we don't know how many fans will want to come in those different scenarios or will want to watch at home. So it's hard to like that. We're just looking at the supply side, not the demand side. So we just have to be cautious about, you know, predicting exactly what will happen. So we're going to do what we can to be um, responsive to what the market puts out there and what our fans want. But if we have the demand for it, we can fit a good number of people in this place and do it in a socially distanced way, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Your experience with A's access and the ability to be flexible with uh, your fan base, having a large database of, of fans and an instant way to connect with them, how much will that also help you? That you know, you kind of It's almost like you've laid the groundwork to be much more flexible than many pro sports teams, I think, might be in such a scenario. I think it's one of our biggest advantages for 2021, especially where there's all this uncertainty. So the fact that we can kind of approach what our fans' needs are um, in a nimble way will help us. So that's, I think, super positive. And, you know, we'll use that reservoir or trust that we have with our fans to ensure that the experience is a winner for everyone. Now, the, here's the fun stuff. The team on the field. What are your thoughts about your first place team, uh, which is looking like a very strong bet to be in the postseason for the third season in a row? Well, I mean, Billy and David have put an incredible team out on the field again. And I think Bob especially has done an incredible job in a really hard year with all the social distancing and, you know, obviously the you know positive test last week and just everything that we've had to go through as a club. Uh, he's been an incredible leader um, and all the rest of the coaching staff. So I'm really proud of what we've been able to do at a really hard time. And I think it shows the resiliency and um, really just determination of our players and staff and the fact that they want to go out there and win. 
and we had a really good team and we want to represent Oakland and our community and, and bring them another world championship. So you get in the postseason, anything can happen, especially in a year like this. And uh, that's exactly what our plan is. Yeah, and the front office goes out and makes some additions at the trade deadline, which I think everyone always likes to see, and getting two guys who were all-stars last year in La Stella and Mike Miner. Yeah, and I think that's great to see. You know, we obviously wanted to, you know, have as strong a team possible and as deep a team possible for a postseason run this year because, you know, with not a traditional season or spring training, injuries are a risk and things of that nature. So I think having those extra guys will make a huge impact. The uh, postseason schedule in terms of where games are going to take place is not, I think, totally finalized. I, I know there have it's it's been out there that there have been bubbles uh, kicked around, probably the um, American League in Southern California. But it sounds as if the first round, uh, anyway, would be at home ballparks, uh, and it's best two of three. Um, and the games would be at the higher-seeded team. So right now, uh, obviously things can change, but right now your team would be, uh, it looks like, in pretty good shape to be hosting games uh, at the Coliseum in the postseason. Uh, how sen- exciting a scenario is that, e- even, again, without without fans? Well, I mean, obviously we have a great track record here. The team plays really well at home. Um, our pitching staff likes the environment. They're comfortable so it's certainly an advantage and one that, you know, it's nice to not have to like look at the possibility of just a one game playoff because yeah. that, that has not been the kindest thing to us. So the fact that you get a best of three, the fact that it could be at the Coliseum, I think those are positives in terms of getting to the next round, building confidence as a club and getting these young players to really believe in themselves and, uh, you know, really create a playoff run. I, knowing you, I would imagine you're kind of brainstorming different possible fun things for any sort of home playoff scenario. What, can you share anything with us? Anything special maybe for fans? Anything that they could look forward to or in the planning stages still? Well, it's still in the planning stages. And, you know, obviously we want to do everything we can to represent our community and, um, you know, have a, have a fun experience. I have a great broadcast experience. But also make sure that we adhere to the MLB protocols and, stay safe and just be smart about things. So we're balancing all those things, but I think we can do that in a way that's still fun and fresh and, um, you know, put some smiles on people's faces. I think that's uh, probably pretty much assured, especially in a playoff scenario. Dave Cavill, thanks as always for joining us on A's Plus. Thanks for having me. Our thanks again to Dave Cavill for joining us on A's Plus. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Cavill. Our producer today was G. Allen Johnson. We'll be back again with more A's Plus next week. Thanks for listening.